so much for joining us. What a perfect song. What a perfect intro. My message this morning is God's passion for you. And Vivi talked about it with the children. This is a personal message for us. God is passionate about each and every one of us. And you may be sitting here today thinking, well, how is it that he's really passionate for me? And we'll answer that question as we get through this message. But I want to give you the definition of passion. Strong, barely controllable, intense desire for, or enthusiasm for someone or something. That's what passion is. And that's how God feels about you. He's passionate for you. There's some good news and some bad news that I want to share with you right now. The bad news is that when Adam and Eve chose to disobey, when they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were in direct disobedience to what God had asked of them. And when they, cho when they chose to disobey, sin entered into the spiritual DNA of all of us. And uh, well, clearly defined sin is disobedience to God. You may be thinking, well, I thought sin was stealing. I thought sin was murdering. I thought sin was having an affair. Well, those things are true, but in its most basic understanding, sin is disobedience to God. And so God sets boundaries around us. And he says, if you stay within these boundaries, it's good for you. If you step out of these boundaries, it's not good for you. It's bad for you. And that's what Adam and Eve did. They stepped outside of the bounds. Listen, they had it made. They lived in the garden. I think even I could have done that job just tending and taking care of all the plants. I mean, they were like on permanent vacation. And God said, don't eat from this tree. But they chose to disobey. And so that's when sin entered into all of humanity. And so we could say, well, thanks, Adam and Eve. You messed it up for all of us. But before we start throwing rocks at them, let me ask you a question. Have you ever sinned? Have you ever disobeyed? We all have. And so before we begin to throw rocks at them, we need to look at our own lives. Sin is disobedience to God. And the Bible says that we were all conceived in sin. We were all born in sin. How is that? Because Adam and Eve sinned. And sin entered into all of humanity when they disobeyed. Now, the thing is, sin is not our fault. It's not your fault. However, it is a problem for us. Um... There are always consequences to sin. Always. Imagine that there is a woman that is pregnant. And she chooses to do crack or do drugs. And throughout her pregnancy, she continues to do that. And then the baby is born. And the baby is addicted to crack or whatever that drug is. Is it the baby's fault? It's not. It's, it's suffering the consequences of the decisions that that mother made. And so it's similar for us that it's not our fault that we were born in sin, that we were conceived in sin. It is a problem for us, but there's good news coming. I want to talk a little bit about Good Friday. We just celebrated Good Friday. What does that mean? That means that we're celebrating that Christ came and died for all of our sins on the cross. And you may think, well, that wasn't a very good day. Well, it was a good day for us. Because God required that animals were to be sacrificed for the sins of the people. And so 
the, they would take lambs and they would sacrifice those animals for the forgiveness of sins for the people. But Jesus came as a final sacrifice for all of us. That's why we don't sacrifice animals anymore or do any of that because Jesus is the final sacrifice. And on the cross, Jesus says, said, it is finished, meaning it's done, it's completed, it's over with. His sacrifice on the cross accomplished everything that he came to do that's, so that we would be set free. Jesus said, I came to set the captives free. I came that, that we may have abundant life. His death on the cross satisfied the requirement for a perfect, flawless lamb for us to be killed for us he paid the ransom for us when john the baptist saw jesus coming he said behold the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world see they had an understanding what that meant probably better than most of us do because they knew that lambs were slaughtered many times for the forgiveness of sins and john said look there's the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world, not just for the people, not just for these sins, but for all of humanity, for all of us, forever. I want to read from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18-21. through 21. Peter is writing to his fellow Jews. He's writing to people that understood about the sacrifices, that, that lambs would be slaughtered for the forgiveness of their sins. And he says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. We inherited that empty life, like I've been talking about. It's not our fault, but we inherited that. But it is problematic for us. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And so he's painting a picture here for them to understand that Jesus is the blameless, uh, spotless Lamb of God. Now, would you pay a ransom of precious blood for someone that didn't have a, any value to you? You probably would not. And so we know that in James 1.18, the Word says, Of all of creation, of everything God created, we are His prized possession. I think it's in Ephesians 2.10, it says, We are His masterpiece. So God places great value on us. He loves us. And it's because of that that Christ came to die for us. Let me read on in verse 20. God chose him, Jesus, he's talking about Jesus here, as your ransom long before the world began. But he has now revealed him to you in these last days. And so Peter was saying, God has revealed the ransom Jesus to you in these last days. And I would present to you that God is revealing Jesus to us today. Do you know Him? Do you have a relationship with Him? Verse 21, Through Christ you have come to trust in God. You have placed your faith and hope in God because He raised Christ from the dead and gave Him great glory. In James chapter 1, it talks about sin. It says that sin, when it comes to fruition, it leads to death. We know that Christ went to the cross for all of our sins. He paid the penalty. He paid the ransom for our sins. Sin leads to death. It can be spiritual death. It can be physical death. 
Do you know anyone that has destroyed their life with drugs or alcohol, maybe OD? Sin destroys lives. Do you know anyone who's lost all hope? Maybe some of you are here today and you said, man, I've lost all hope. I've lost my job. I've lost my family. I've lost everything. But there's hope in Christ. He can begin to restore back what we have lost. Jesus said in John 10.10, He said that thieves' purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose is to give them, you, me, us, a rich and satisfying life. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's very effective at doing that. <coughs> Excuse me. Romans 5, 15-17 says, But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. So we talked about the sin of Adam. And there's a great difference between his sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. And you know people that have wandered away from God or maybe never even known God. And their lives are destroyed because the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give us abundant life. Let me read this again. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. Death and sin are a result of this disobedience from Adam and Eve. Verse 15 continues, But even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. God's wonderful gift of forgiveness triumphs over the death Adam brought to all of us. Verse 16 says, And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to us being made right with God even though we are guilty of many sins. You may hear that we're made righteous through the blood of Christ. That means being made right, being brought into right standing with Him. We have all sinned. In Romans it says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory and the standard that God has set for us. To sin is like a, an archer shooting at a target. And they not only miss the bullseye, they miss the entire target. That's what sin is like. But God's free gift of forgiveness leads us into a relationship with God that was broken in the garden when Adam and Eve disobeyed. Verse 17 in Romans 5 says, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Let me read this again. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater... Even greater than the sin, even greater than the shortcomings, is God's wonderful grace and His gift of righteousness for all who receive it. Receive what? Receive this wonderful grace and God's gift of righteousness that Christ died so that all of our sins would be forgiven. 
He is the final sacrifice. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Jesus conquered sin and death. How is it that God is passionate for me? Through the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus. It's like we know that God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. And it's like God took from himself and gave us Jesus. And he says, I'm passionate for you. I'm going to come and make a way so that this broken relationship can be restored. So that all that stuff, all the guilt, all the shame, all the sin, all the things that, that you have weighing you down can be left at the cross. That's what he did for us. That's his great passion and love for us. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. You may be here and you may not have a relationship with the Lord. You may have had one at one point in time, but walked away. And God is speaking to you this morning. And I'm going to ask you to do something. If, if you want to be, have that relationship restored, would you just slip up your hand and catch my eye? I'm not going to call you up. I'm not going to embarrass you. But if that's you this morning, would you just slip up your hand and catch my eye and then you can put it right back down? Thank you. Anyone else? Listen, there's no shame in that. The shame would be to walk out of this place and not receive all that God has for you. His grace, His mercy, and, and His forgiveness. Thank you for that. Anyone else? I don't want to belabor this, but I, this is important. I want to take some time and just say, if God is speaking to your heart, what you're saying is you're saying, God, I'm making a commitment to you. I'm serious about this. Anybody else? Thank you for that. Anyone else? For those of you that responded, I, I would like for you to just pray this prayer. You can pray it out loud. You can pray it silently. What matters is that it's, it's from your heart. And if you would just repeat this prayer, say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning and I bring all that stuff from my life. All the sin, the times I've intentionally disobeyed, all the guilt, the shame, Anything that's weighing me down, I bring those to the cross and I leave them there. And I thank you for the completed work that Christ has done. And I receive this gift of life today. I receive this new start, this new beginning. And I thank you for it. And I thank you for it now in Jesus' name. I want to pray one more prayer for you that responded. Lord God, I pray that you would speak to each and every one of these people, to all of us, but especially to these that have responded. Lord God, that they would begin to have a greater sensitivity to your Holy Spirit and that they would understand your great love for them. And as they read their Bibles, that your word would just illuminate off the page and that their sensitivity to hearing your small, still voice speaking their, to their hearts would be amplified and that you would continue to pour into their lives and that you would help them in their struggles and their challenges. So Father, I pray these blessings. I pray that you would do these things and we pray with expectation in Jesus' name. You know, the world says that 
It's love and it's acceptance is performance-based. We live in such a performance-based society where when we perform, we get our paycheck, we get a bonus, we get a raise, we get vacation or whatever that looks like. And we've taken some of those same things and applied them to the church. But you know what the Bible says? It says, no, it's not performance-based, it's grace-based. In Ephesians 2.8, it says, We're saved by grace through faith when we believe not of our works that anyone should boast, but it is a gift from God. And let me be clear, when we give our life to God, He begins to do something in our hearts. He begins to transform our lives. And that has an impact on our outward expression, on the things that we do. Because there are a lot of people that will, will try to change their actions but their heart's not changed. It doesn't work. But as God begins to change our heart and He begins to pour in His love and He begins to do a work in our hearts, it changes us. But we're saved by God's wonderful grace. And God has a great purpose and plan for you today. And He wants you to walk in the fullness of those things. And it begins with what you've done today in giving your heart to Christ. And saying, I've tried to do this on my own and I keep crashing and burning. But I'm going to yield my life to you today. If you've made that decision or that recommitment, we have some, some cards over at the prayer tables and they're called First Steps. What do you do if you made this decision? Find a good Bible-based church, get plugged in. Jesus is the hope of the world. The local church is the tool or the mechanism that God uses to help us grow and mature and place us in a body that loves us and cares about us and can help us. So if you receive Christ today, go to the prayer tent, please, and pick up one of these cards. Know that the prayer tent is available. And also, if you've accepted Christ today, if you just let somebody know at the prayer tent, say, hey, I prayed the prayer. You can give them your name and, and number, and you can fill out prayer requests if you have any prayer requests today. As, as Greg talked about, we'll be praying for those in the coming days. And to answer the question about how is it that God is passionate for me, know that God is deeply in love with you. He has great passion for you. And He wants to develop that kind of relationship with you where you have that kind of passion for Him. And I challenge our church all the time to pray that God will give us the kind of passion and love for Him that He has for us. And that we will also have the kind of love and passion for others that He has for them. So I want to encourage you today. Go out and, and make a difference in your world. And it begins by connecting with our Heavenly Father. Jesus said that thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you would have abundant, super abundant, massively blessed lives. That's God's purpose and plan for you today. So go out and be encouraged. Will you do that? God bless you.